welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 98 of the Jeff Macalino podcast. Got a good one for you today, as always. Got uh, Angelique Joan joining me from London. Um, hopefully this intro records. For some reason, my microphone's like amplifying my voice a lot. So I'm like five feet away right now. Um, I'm recording this earlier in the week than I normally record my intro and outro because I am afraid that uh, if I don't record it and set it to publish on Monday now that, uh, you know, I might have some power or internet issues because I'm right uh, bearing down the eye of Hurricane Ian. Uh, so fuck that guy, huh? Right, Ian? <laughs> I have a buddy named Ian, but I don't think he listens. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's going to be fun, but... Um, Doing some some prep and helping some friends prep their properties, and I think we're all pretty much the same. It's like yeah, we're riding it out. None of us are in mandatory evacuation zones, and it's like you know what? It's uh, prefer to be home, and I'd prefer to have a chick to be with me. That would make things a lot more fun. Uh, <laughs> my kids uh, went with their mother to uh, their grandmother's in West Palm Beach, which alleviates some pressure off me. They're way out of the way of the storm. And, uh, you know, if shit starts going down at the house, I only have to really worry about myself first. And then, obviously, if I can mitigate any damages, that's the goal. I get tarp and some duct tapes and, uh, you know, maybe a firearm um, if needed. We had some problems with that when Irma happened. People... uh predatory pricks you know what i mean so uh anywho hopefully i'm still alive when this episode comes out and hopefully i can listen to this episode i don't typically listen to my episodes but hey why not uh i've got uh got well prepared you know i, I went to Publix, and i was literally just going there because i'm like well i i needed some things like i i don't you know, I just need some things. It's not a, I'm not hurricane prepping. I, you know, needed to, to pick up some of my, my normal stuff. So woman running down the aisle with, you know, 20 boxes of cereal and 11 loaves of bread. It's like, well, that's not very keto. Uh, but 11 loaves of bread. How many people are in your family, lady? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't know. I've got like 600 cans of beans and soups and all that kind of shit. So to me, it's fun. Like you live here. You should be prepared for this year round. I mean, I I, I don't know. I've lived here long enough. I, I will always have at least a few months of canned food uh, supplies and pantry items um, this is when historically I like gained 10 pounds because it's like, all right, I'm going to, my strategy going into the hurricane is order food. Don't eat out of your own supply, order food in as much as you can and, and order excess food. So you have leftovers to go to that, you know, while you still have electricity, you can just heat up and eat that. Uh, so if you do lose electricity, then you can start eating into your canned food supply and non-perishables and all that stuff that you don't need to heat. Um, but, you know, if if like last time we had a hurricane here, uh, which I don't know if we even got hurricane winds, honestly, from Irma, but uh, I didn't lose power. So I just ended up, you know, eating all the food. Uh, and drinking a lot of beer. Um, I bought some. I bought some Moosehead because you know I need to hydrate between my whiskey drinks. You know what I mean? That's seven handles of Canadian whiskey. Sponsorship opportunity available here. Uh, and I got uh, twelve Canadian lagers. 
And I've got a few extra beers, a few bottle of wines, a nice bottle of rum I got from uh, my buddy when I was in uh, one of his uh, groomsmen. Uh, I've got some uh, whiskey, uh, well, some other whiskey, some uh, few bottles of wine, you know, a little gin, some vodka. Um, you know, I, I should be good on alcohol as long as it's not more than a few days. Uh, <laughs> speaking of alcohol, let me tell you about one of the sponsors of today's episode. Flaviar. Drinking spirits is expensive. Instead of dropping bank on a bottle, you're not sure you'll absolutely love. Expand your palate <clears throat> with Flaviar's ever-growing collection of spirits. This members club curates an extensive collection that's complete with everything from the big brand classics to offerings from smaller craft distillers with personalized recommendations based on your current likes and dislikes. And one complimentary tasting box every quarter. Their selection, selection eclipses what you'll find at local liquor stores and bars, totaling thousands, all documented in the Flaviar app, along with visualized tasting notes. Members also get special pricing, and shipping is free on everything, so when you stumble on a bottle you need more of it, it will arrive right to your door. Use the link in the show notes so they know I sent you, and you get the discount for being one of the Jeff Macolino podcast supporters. While I'm talking about sponsors, I'll also shout out Ibotta. It's a cashback shopping app that helps you get cash back on things you're already going to buy. Uh, and it's really cool because I like, you know, I just went to the liquor store to load up and I got an alert from Ibotta that I got a dollar back, uh, just a dollar cash because I bought something that, you know, was uh, offering a dollar back when you buy it. So. You know, it's cool. It's easy. Download it using the link below. So the first time you use it, you get a $5 redeem uh, credit, whatever, when you send in a picture of your receipt. It's that easy. You click through on things you're already going to buy. You take a picture of the receipt. They give you money. I mean, come on, man. And I'll also shout out, lastly, you can join my Patreon. You know, the odds are I'm probably homeless when you hear this episode. You know, a tree maybe crashed through my roof or uh, all my windows and all my computers were destroyed in the storm, in this hurricane. And if I have no computers, no money, no no house, I can't do a podcast. So, you know, for $3 a month, you can basically, you know, sponsor this old white man alcoholic and uh, help him rebuild his life. Uh, or you can do the $10 or $20 a month options where you get free merch and additional perks. The $3, you don't get much except for my everlasting love and respect. And uh, if you are a patron and I run into you at a bar, I'll probably buy you a beer that will probably cost more than $3. So, you know, you're kind of get it coming out ahead if you think about it from a, from a wise man's perspective. Um... Let me introduce the guest here. Sorry, a lot of hurricane shit going through my head. Angelique Joan. She is a British and French actress. She's a voiceover talent and an author. She wrote a uh, self-deprecating, self-help style book uh, that she talks about uh, being, you know, her times as a struggling actress and also as a single gal in the city. Um, now a 30-something-year-old, as she so eloquently puts it. Uh, the book is called Ready, Set, 30, A Tale of Figuring It All Out, whatever that means. Uh, she tells me a story that I'm, uh, that is in the book, but, uh, she does tell me a story about, uh, a date she went on where the dude literally ran away from her. You all have to listen to the episode to hear that story, uh, but enjoy it. She is a lovely uh, person, and uh, this was actually uh, I, I pushed this uh, podcast back two weeks because she actually was on Clockwork Junkie podcast like a week or two after I was, uh, and I was going to release it the same day. And obviously, I'm like, eh, I don't, you know, that seems like it would limit our uh, views, so pushed it back a couple weeks. So. This is one that's slightly out of order, but not, you know, it's not too long ago that we chatted. Uh, so enjoy. Here's me and Angelique Joan. 
All right, everybody. I am very pleased to welcome Angelique Joan to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you this well afternoon for you? <laughs> hey, yes, afternoon, four, four p.m. Yes. I'm good, thanks. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm. Uh, this is a rare episode. I'm recording while drinking coffee instead of uh, whiskey. Uh, in a, oh, okay. <laughs> in, in a, a very cool mug. In yeah. a unicorn mug. Yeah, it's it's got Love some it. damage to it. It's uh, uh, it's it's given me uh, I think like four four or five years of service now. So hopefully it's still got it's still got its magic without the horn. You know. I think so. I think yeah. it still still does the job. Um, <laughs> it's very sad when this thing does eventually break. Yeah. I, I a, a former coworker bought this for me, and I he, I used to have a link so I could replace it when it broke. And uh, they discontinued it, at least on the oh, link no. I have. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm Hold gonna on. be lost. <laughs> glue it, glue it together. I, I might just have to do that, or I might just yeah. give up coffee and just start drinking whiskey from the moment I wake up. <laughs> All day. Change the, change the whole way the life goes. Yeah, different way of living. <laughs> Sorry, I can't drive to, 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 to the store. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. I know it's just my life now. <laughs> just can't. Don't have this unicorn mug anymore. Yeah, there's no magic left. It's just got to okay. go straight for the booze. <laughs> so, so we obviously have a time difference. If people couldn't tell from your voice that you are, uh, you're in London now, correct? I am in London, UK. Yes. And you've lived all over Europe, correct? I have lived a fair, in a fair few countries. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I lived, so I was born in the UK and then we moved to Belgium for my dad's job. And then um, we moved to France because my mom's French. So around 10, 11, up until I was 18, I was in France. And then I came back to London. It's always interesting to me looking at Europe. And I, I don't know the answer to this question because I've never been to Europe. But in America, like going to another country is... I guess in Florida, it's not as far as a lot of places, but like going to another country is a long distance. Uh, Europe, it's almost like going from Florida to Georgia, I feel like. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah. But yeah, it's is travel um, around Europe, even crossing through different countries, relatively easy? I would say so. It's It's fairly easy. It's quite short. You know, flying is about an hour, two hours, sometimes three Uh but then between England, Belgium, and France, you've got the Eurostar. So you, that's quite easy. You've got the train that can go through. Um, but to move countries when you're a kid, a teenager, is, is always a big move. That, you know, if you're, it, it doesn't even matter if it's far or not. It's still, like, right. a big move. Um, right. Even moving yeah. to a new city, I feel like, it's big yeah. when, you're, when you're that age. <laughs> It's a huge adjustment. Yeah, you just have to, it's everything's just new, new people, new environment. Yeah. Did you have to learn? I've honest, this shows you how dumb I am. Uh, did you have to? I know French is, has its own, France has its own language. I don't know if Belgium yeah. does. Uh, Belgium does have, um, so I had to learn, uh, what was it, Neerlandais, which is like a, a different language. Um, but they do have French, but Belgian French. So mm. it's quite similar, but there's different words, a different accent. Uh, and then UK, it's a bit like UK and American as different slang and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. So, but no, each, each country usually has their own language, I'd say. So have you, as an adult, do you still speak all of the languages that you learned as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, although I say that, I don't know. I don't have the Belgium accent anymore. I have a French accent when I speak French, but I know Italian as well because I studied Italian at school and um, at uni and went to Italy a few times. So my Italian's pretty good as well. But yeah, it's English and French most of the time. Yeah. Gotcha. And and most, I I feel like most people at least understand English if you're in a pinch, hmm. right? In your in Europe. You would assume, I mean, French, a lot of my friends don't speak English. They, yeah, they struggle because they, I come from a quite a small town in, in Brittany in France and it's not the priority to, to know English. They'll, they'll, 
a few of my friends do do manage to like speak a few sentences and look at friends on tv but you know <laughs> it's quite limited yeah. gotcha yeah i guess the more it would be more the touristy big cities that would probably put more of an emphasis on you know yeah. being able to communicate with these big fat americans when they come into into town yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly it's <laughs> i i i love um when I talk to someone, I know English is your your first language, but when I talk to someone who English is their second language, they always throw out some like very strange, weird um, American, not stereotype, but just like they'll, they'll yeah. always throw out a random American thing. And I'm like, I probably do that when I talk to someone from Europe, just some stupid stereotype that's like, yeah, that's a reference to something in this country from the, yeah. the 1990s. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like a lot of like y'all, just y'all everywhere, just to, to make it sound American. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you're you're lucky I, I didn't shoot, I'm shooting, I'm currently acting in my first feature film, and I'm playing a Congrats. guy with a Southern accent. Thank you. Um, and we didn't shoot this past weekend, or I would probably still be, uh, you know, really rough yeah because <laughs> yeah i try to stick with the accent the whole weekend and it takes oh, a day really? before and a day after oh, wow. yeah it's uh it's i'm not good with accents to begin with so okay even, th even though i'm from the south florida doesn't really it's different isn't it it's it's quite a tough accent i i can't do it um yeah it's quite because when you're an actor in london they do ask you to know american in general but they always say generic american which can be Californian or New York, which I think they're both very different. Mm -hmm. But those are the two you usually have to have. But Southern, no, I've I've never done Southern. That's too daunting. Yeah, the the uh, if you if you could, you would have already been on The Walking Dead because it seems like most of The Walking Dead actors yeah. are from Britain. <laughs> I, yeah, I love the interviews. I'm like, what the hell? This guy's not American. I thought for sure yeah. he was from the South. <laughs> We go across, we go across the pond. <laughs> we uh, we can't go the opposite way because I think an American doing a British accent would be like, oof, that's not good. It's just not good. <laughs> well, I don't actually know if there's any. Oh, there's uh, Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones. Mm. She she did a great accent. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably about it. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're not as good at at change, and it's not it shouldn't be that difficult. But I don't know. There's probably something about it that uh, yeah, probably not a good thing for Americans. But oh well, <laughs> you've got other is. skills. I don't know. <laughs> you've got many other skills, you guys. Yeah, we we can eat a lot and <laughs> spend a lot of money. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, see this this is me sober. Uh oh gosh. <laughs> so you um you wrote a book. I wanna yeah. I wanna I, I I'm sure this will be interesting for for conversation. Um Ready Set 30 is the name of the book, correct? Yeah, uh, a tale of figuring it all out, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that just the the seeing the cover of the book alone, I'm like, oh yeah, this is probably probably something I can relate to because I'll, I'll say on on my podcast I go on many rants about uh to give you backstory on me I get I got married at 20 young 20s I got divorced in my mid to late 20s uh and in that time period the fun part was before I got in that relationship dating was normal you meet people and you date the dating apps and websites yeah. were for freaks who couldn't meet people out in the wild and on the yeah. flip side of it it was the only way to go on dates was to to do it digitally um which i i i can't i can't do that but but um so i rant about stuff like that and and getting older and and how and all that stuff all the time so i just saw the title of the book i'm like oh yeah uh yeah it, it will be it's interesting to me i i would guess we have a lot of shared experience in that kind of area despite being in quite different places i think florida is probably probably about as far away from europe 
well maybe not i'm sure there's more <laughs> but as far as like first world nations yeah, Florida and, yeah. and and the uk are probably almost as far apart as you can get as far as the mm -hmm. the culture and lifestyle and everything just a hunch yeah. yeah um so you and uh i don't know if this is spoiling anything in the book but i know when i when i was reading your your tagline uh i saw something about you had a date physically actually run away from you yes i did <laughs> how how did that happen? i did that's in the that's in the love chapter so the book has seven chapters and it covers like a whole range of what we go through in life um and uh it goes from my teenage years to turning 30 and all that and yeah a huge part of living in london uh is going on dates and london is a big city there's loads of people and loads of interesting eclectic people um i don't want to say weird but <laughs> some people are and that means that i in my 20s just wanted to embrace the city life and just just go on dates and and you know see see how it went and that particular date is top of my list of worst dates ever um where I had I had organized where we were going to meet. It was a nice pub along the river. It was a nice sunny day. And I got there and he was sat in a in the darkest corner ever. You no, know, like in the shade and just looked a bit miserable. And I was like, well, already this isn't a good sign. This isn't, you know, the promised sunshine pub vibe that I wanted. But anyway, so I went to him and he had already ordered his beer. And I said, listen, um, do you mind if we go in the sun? Like, it's a lovely day, like, let's, let's move tables. So he was like, yeah, okay. He sat down and didn't, didn't order a drink for me, didn't ask if I wanted a drink, um, just started peeling off the paper around his beer in a nervous way. And when I see someone nervous like that, I tend to try and make them as comfortable as possible by just rambling on about mm -hmm. anything about my life. And after 30 minutes of me just trying to get something out of this experience, uh, he was just giving me nothing. So I was like, okay, should we, should we go? Like, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And so I got up and he was walking quite quickly out of the pub and I was struggling to catch up. And I was like, listen, is everything okay? And he turned to me and he said, well, you're just really intimidating. And I couldn't believe it because I just spent 30 minutes trying to make this guy as comfortable as possible while I was getting nothing out of it. I was not getting any questions my way. Anyway, I got quite, I got, I got quite jokey about it. And I was like, okay, fine, great. Well, run away then, like run. And he ran off. He physically sprinted off in the sunset i saw him running along the river and i turned around because i i really thought someone was it was a prank someone was with a camera somewhere it was a monday night and i laughed out loud because i was like this cannot not be my monday people running away from me so i went home i chatted to my mum on the phone and she was like i think you sh you might need to give dating a pause <laughs> maybe this is your sign and I did I stopped dating for a while yeah I do I do wonder if that guy's like still running somewhere <laughs> nobody told him to stop <laughs> yeah no one told him yeah he, he's in Russia now or uh, I don't, yeah I don't yeah know. yeah he's, he's exhausted <laughs> <laughs> I uh and I assume you got that date through a dating app right this was through a dating app. Yeah. That yeah. is the most popular thing in London ever. Yeah. I, I can see, this is where I always, I can see the convenience of the dating app, uh, especially in a big city, but also in a big city, you interact with so many strangers that it would seem like there's also just saying hi to somebody that you think is somewhat ah, attractive well, and see how it goes yes in, in theory that sounds wonderful <laughs> right 
But in England, something you must know, and I'm sure any Brits who are listening will, will vouch for me, is people just don't talk to one another. Everyone's polite to a fault where it's super rare for anyone to come up to you or to start a chat. It's not got the American casual vibe that you guys have um, that I'm always shocked about when I go to America. It's quite amazing how easy it is to talk to people. But in the UK, I think, especially in London, people rely on dating apps because you get to meet people that you would never meet in general because they're from different fields of work and different parts of town and you get to just sort of not always be hanging around the same people from your work like I don't I didn't want to be uh, with an actor or so I just that that's why I, I was more inclined and also you know every single one of my friends is on dating apps and so it just it, it, it does uh, work, but it also, you know, you do run the risk of having weird dates. And yeah. that's a big section of my book is like in the love chapters. So every chapter is divided in four little segments. And one of the segments is worst dates I've, I've been on. And that's one of like many. But just, yeah, read and like laugh because that's all you can do, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, you know, I used to be like, oh, I'd, I'd love to read the the bad dates that women have because I feel like now we're mm. even. And, and then it's like, now we're on the same page. It's the freaks that <laughs> gave us the oh, bad yeah. dates that are the problem. Oh, yeah. Men do definitely have it as well. Like some, some, there are just weirdos. It's just yeah. men and women. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a shame. And they, there's so many instances like i i dabble in stand-up and the the bits mm -hmm. that do the best are always when i'm talking about dating apps um yeah because and this may be especially a florida thing but like i'm like half the time i'll go through like tinder and 70 percent of the women have a picture or 70 percent of women have at least the majority of their pictures that are focused on their ass um oh, really? like you can see the side of their face and their ass is it's like the ass is the i'm like i don't mind the photo but i also want to know what you actually look like your face what's that, your face yeah <laughs> yeah okay. I, I don't want to just see half the face and then the other thing of course every woman knows the angle from up here makes you look mm -hmm. much thinner so you show up and you're like this doesn't look any this doesn't match and it's yeah. like, I get why you look better in that photo, why you take it that way. However, it's kind of, and I'm not body shaming or anything, but it's kind of deceiving. Like, all right, you're lying of to me course, off yeah. the bat. The first thing is you're lying to me about your actual appearance. That's, I don't know it's that quite that's a good common. sign. Yeah, that's quite common in London. I have heard stories about people just showing up, not looking at all like their photo. And it's, it is unfair like to do that, but I, I just sort of embraced the whole dating in London and just meeting at different people. Even, and it was mostly just first dates and, you know, you get to have a chat and, you know, if, and it doesn't work out, it's fine. Like you, nothing like embarrassing or tragic can needs to happen. It's just a chat with someone, but uh, yeah, that was part of my London life in my twenties for sure. That's one of the chapters one of many that um it that attitude towards a first date i think treat it, it treating it almost like it's a podcast like yeah it's just gonna be a fun conversation and that's it, it it's yeah you know it, it's uh although i i kind of the last date i went on i would say i treated it like a podcast where i too much <laughs> yeah it was too much because the way uh, you could probably already tell I don't directly ask questions most of the time I just right. say something that so incites something yeah incites like a response yeah it, it's like I'm it, there's a uh that's the way I prefer podcasts aren't like well tell me about a time that blah 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 it's like yeah. I'm gonna tell you something and then I'm gonna leave the floor open but on a date that comes off as narcissistic because I didn't directly ask questions about mm, her. I, I see. Just, yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I feel like we talked an even amount, but 
I, I get, I did, I didn't directly ask you insightful questions. I just talked and left the floor open. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't help that uh, the flip side, I, I said, I need to change. And you probably as a, as an actress, you probably have a similar thing when, if you met a person in public and maybe on your dating profile, uh, they ask, you know, one of the first things they ask is, what do you, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I need mm. to come up with a better answer than saying acting, podcasting and comedy because Why? immediately, well, they Google you. Uh, and then it's mm. like, you show up on this date and you know way more about me than I know about you. So obviously oh, you know you're going to ask I, me more questions. <laughs> I remember, um, in my dating days that people googled me before the date but even they didn't know what I um oh I think I did put actor and they must have googled Angelique actor and there's obviously only me in London so they they found me and so and then they tell you on the date they're like oh I googled you and I'm like that is the worst thing you could tell me <laughs> I don't even google myself so I don't know what you found what do I have to explain it's not, you know, so it, I actually, I don't mind saying I'm an actor and it's, it's fine. It's more the, what have I seen you in? What are you working on right now? You know, and then it gets a bit too much of an interview about your job. Yeah. So I tend not to try and focus on that, but it is a huge part of my life. I, in the, the work chapter it it just I talk a lot about um the in-between jobs that actors have because a lot of people don't see the other side of acting where it's the constant hustle like when you're not on set it's not that you're not working you're looking for work you're auditioning you're doing these crappy jobs that are so ridiculous and in London a lot of performers do like we all know each other because we've all done these weird promo leafleting jobs or hostessing random events or um so I do go through the the ridiculousness of of an acting and a working actor jobbing actor in in London yeah yeah it's there, it's, it's a ride yeah there, there's a misconception that uh anyone with the title actor is uh has you know just shows up the you know acts on camera for a little bit and goes home to their mansion and <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's like that's the one percent the 99 percent that we're all in the pub um <laughs> we're all in the pub after an audition that went terribly wrong wondering what we're doing with our life and we can't even afford the the pub but we're there <laughs> you can't but afford it but you but you need it <laughs> you need it and that's just gonna happen yeah but it, it is like I was saying um, to a friend of mine, like we, we deal with way more rejection than than seems normal for any human to to take. So it does take a toll, like a lot of a lot of actors quit and, you know, or, or pause for for months or years because it, it sometimes is too much and it's too draining the, the amount of effort you put in and not getting anything back and. Uh, being really close to a job I know I've been really close to getting a few things it's between me and another girl and then the other girl gets it and it is it is tough it's tough yeah it's uh I I don't think yeah I don't I don't think anyone realizes the level of rejection that anyone uh com comedy is the same way where it's like you, you yes. just you, you get shot down all the time um yeah. and also stand up is hard stand up is yeah oh, the hardest well, you, job you get immediate feedback if things aren't yeah. going well <laughs> yes yeah it's uh and i think people i, I underestimated the because I, I my the movie i'm in is a comedy and i underestimated the intense physical and uh mental uh stress that and not mm. stress might not be the right word but I, I, I leave, leave set, I get home and I am passed out within an hour. Uh, it's like, it's, you know, it's 10 hour day and you sh maybe shot 
at least my set, maybe shot five to 10 minutes of what's going to be in the movie. And you were there for 10 hours and you did, yeah, you yeah. know, I, the second day on set, I had a scene where I broke down crying and I had to shoot that scene nine times. Oh. And it's like, whoo, I am, yeah. I am dead. I am exhausted. <laughs> that was rough. Well, that, that's the thing as well. It's like, it goes from you having no work for so long and then all of a sudden you've got three jobs on the go. You're doing insane hours. You're so burnt out by the end of it that you wish you had a day off, but then you have months off and you're like, oh, we're back here. And it's very up and down, very, you can have a great year, really busy. And then the year after is dead and you have to find another way to, to keep going really. Yeah. The no, nothing is guaranteed. You have to always be looking for your next job jobs yeah. <laughs> really yeah and yeah, that's constantly. uh yeah it's an interesting uh that's why my favorite thing is the podcast i'm like mm. it it's uh it's not a money maker yet not significant but it's like this yeah, i but could it do doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have to be because it makes you happy and you feel like you're doing something creative and you're talking to people and sometimes that's that's what keeps people going is not necessarily the work that pays the bills, but it's the hobby you have that like makes you feel alive or the, yeah, the, the podcast, like you say, or just doing something that, that is for you and that brings you joy. Yeah. And I, I will say, I mentioned this when I was talking to Mark on his podcast. Um, I mentioned to him when I got uh, this acting role I they the director sent me the sides and said send me in a video audition and I'm like I don't even know what that is I had just talked to uh an actor on my podcast Ray Buffer and I emailed him I'm like hey sorry to bug you can you explain what what I'm supposed to do <laughs> and you know oh, really said, and he he walked me through do you know doing a video audition and I'm like okay that was not what I would have done if I didn't have someone to ask I would have oh, made wow. an ass out of myself video, um, uh, video auditions are we, we call them self-tapes in the UK and they are the most common thing now since COVID that's all we do I, yeah. I do all my tapes here yeah yeah I did not um I'd never done one of those uh it makes sense that that's the way to do it and frankly uh, in talking to other in talking to actors it's a lot of them are like I'm so grateful for it because mm. in-person auditions I, I felt like I wasn't getting many opportunities but they're a little more liberal in letting you know a video audition because it's really not much time out of their day to just watch a you know a two three minute yeah. video whatever um yeah. so so I've been told like you know by a lot of actors that it's like I can actually get more jobs this way because I can, mm. I, you know, I maybe back in the day would have 10 auditions to go to. Now I, I'm like 20 or 30 because yeah, it's, you know, and I can record it. It doesn't take up much of my time, doesn't take up much of their time. So I, I yeah, think exactly. I'm guessing that's the way of the future. That's probably the way it's going to be, at least. Oh, for it's, that's not, auditions. that is not going anywhere. Yeah. Like most actors in London are told to get um, some lights, uh, background. Because you have tapes from England, from the States, from Europe, you, and they, they need it like as soon as, so you need to be ready. And um, most actors, I think in London would say, then you, you would need all that on the go. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you can, obviously, I mean, I know you do travel to the United States, but uh, you probably now can audition for roles in the United States that you otherwise would not be traveling <laughs> flying yeah. across the ocean to audition for but now it's just sending an email <laughs> yes it is handy that way but then for recalls and if they actually want to see you in person then you do have to obviously fly somewhere to, for, for them to meet you but that's right. later on in the process so it's a bit it's a bit easier yeah yeah it's it's probably easier I'm guessing uh since Americans can't do accents well it's probably easier for us because we can drive to all of our <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's i don't yeah I, I don't i are there many americans who i mean i'm sure there are americans who do an accent that's passable that we might not know offhand 
but like in British television shows, I don't think there's ever like American characters, are there? I'm trying to, I've watched a few. I, I think. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything right now, but I'm sure I'm sure there's British shows where there is a couple of American characters. <laughs> I just can't think of any right now. No. It's an interesting. Uh, I get. I, I get. There's probably more shot in America too, though. So I, I guess it would make sense that. Well, you say that, but I think London is building more and more studios. Uh, the outside the outskirts of London is definitely expanding because a lot of big big movies are being shot here but of course America's bigger so I'm sure there's more there's more films there but there's well, definitely stuff going on in in London and Vancouver Vancouver oh yes also yeah Vancouver is they're taking off yeah. in comedy too they're yeah. really skyrocketing in everything yeah. it's yeah, uh yeah, yeah. I need to Need to get the pet. Well, actually, I just renewed my passport, so I'm good to go for You're nine good, and a half yeah. more years. <laughs> nice, nice. Can can get into Canada, hopefully. <laughs> it's harder but to hey, get into Canada than to yeah. come back from Canada into America. Actually, yeah. Maybe that's because I'm an American citizen, and it's that that might. I, I can't remember <laughs> when I went to Vancouver if that was the case for me. I I just remember looking into wanting to stay there and it was a bit of a mission to do yeah i i've heard like if you have too many like driving citations they will turn you away at the canadian border oh wow i don't okay. know if that's true but i've i was told that if you Good to if, know. yeah so i don't know what kind of background checks they do to <laughs> <laughs> to let you in there <laughs> <laughs> Where I, I only I only crossed the border once, and the first thing the guy, the Canadian Border Patrol, did when he came to the car was scream at me and all the people in the car because one of one of us had a, our phone out, and apparently uh, that's not allowed. <laughs> so, yeah. So so we were immediately scared from the second okay. he approached the yeah, car. Yeah, instantly. Not great. I I only have good memories of Vancouver. I remember nearly moving there for acting because it was such it was just expanding um the show suits is really big in the uk so it was all shot in toronto so i think a lot of actors were trying to to get over there as soon as possible That's, i think I a lot of brits was... won that show yeah yeah i love that yeah. show i didn't think uh i didn't realize it was shot in toronto that's interesting mm. yeah That's do do British people still love? There's a weird question. <laughs> do they they still love suits with the whole Megan, uh, what's her oh, face yeah. thing? Because yeah, she's yeah. like bad, right? In the UK, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't follow that stuff. Okay. I, I, I don't either. I know, obviously, <laughs> I know there's definitely a lot of Brits who have a serious opinions about her. I, I'm you know I've nothing bad to say I don't know her at all right so I think she's you know she's back in America now I think she's back from to where she is happier yeah yeah I uh I'm glad to because that's kind of my attitude towards things I'm like I don't I don't obsess I don't know I don't know these people yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's um I, I feel like that's a healthy attitude to, mm, to yeah. just be kind of I don't know just sort of like be in your own lane and know that it's spending too much energy elsewhere is a bit of a waste of time, I'd say. Yeah, obsessing over other people's lives who are, yeah. you know, richer and famous or I don't, more famous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't really do any, any good. No, it doesn't. It's more just focus on what you can do in your life and make it better. And I think that's probably the best Probably. way to live your life yeah. I, I would say so yeah. um you started you started acting how old you were very young weren't you I, I was yeah I, well acting is a big word yeah. in terms of when I was a kid I did a couple of commercials and then stopped uh, because my mom just didn't really like the competitiveness of it all and I just continued dance and gymnastics and doing all sorts. But then around 10, 11, I really wanted to take drama classes. So I started taking theater 
classes up until I moved to London, really. I did a summer course for acting in London and the teachers convinced me to move. So I, that's what I did and got an agent and went from there really. But yeah, it's always been part of my life in a way. No one else in my family is a performer. It was very out of the blue for my parents. No one understood it, but they all were, were super supportive in, in me moving and trying it. And um, because I, I am also, de I was determined and very driven. I don't think there was anyone who was going to stop me really. But I'm glad I did it. I, I love, I still love London. It's been 10 years now, over 10 years, and I love it. It's such a fantastic city. Yeah, that's one of the places I've never heard anyone bash. If that, it's, yeah. there's a few cities. I, I, I think Toronto's one of them, London's one of them, where it's like, it just seems like it's a nice place to go. And nobody goes there and like, oh, it sucked. Everyone who's visited those places are like, oh, you should really go. It's a great place. It is. So yeah, it's, it's got a it's lot on my to list. Offer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's got so much to offer. Uh, I mean, I would suggest maybe avoiding like winter unless you really like Christmas, then it's great for Christmas. But if you want to see it at its peak, I would say any time between spring and autumn is, yeah, sweet spot. Yeah, it's uh, and I don't ha have to learn another language to visit. <laughs> no, exactly. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, I my family's from Italy. I mean, a couple generations back. And I'm yeah. like, well, I could only go to the Italian parts where I don't need to learn Italian. <laughs> because so, the, so Rome. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> which is not where my family's from. My family's all from Sicily. So it's like, oh, uh, wow, yeah. that's yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, I'll 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 figure out a way. Although I've I've been told different times that it's not the safest place to visit. Uh, depending. I mean, on I where I you actually go. don't know. I, I don't know. I um, yeah. I mean, so acting sort of has always been around. Uh, I did take a little break. I think when I was in my mid twenties, and I was I just had had enough of it all. I think I had just come back from LA actually, and it was so exhausting and uh, I didn't really, I was asking too many questions about who I was, who I wanted to be and had I made a mistake and just too many doubts. So I, I just took, took a few months to, to breathe. Um, but I think like what I mentioned in the book as well is it's really common to be quite overwhelmed and feel lost about not having a clue and, it's really normal and actually probably expected to not have a clue. Like no one has a clue really. And I know people in their fifties who, who are as lost as someone in their twenties. So you, you, we all go through phases of not having it all together. And so it's about, it's about sort of the journey of that and figuring out your identity and trusting your instincts and you're not always going to get it right, but, you know, you can try your best and you will fail and then you'll get back up again. And that's pretty much not separate to a, an actor's life. That's what most people go through in general. Right. Uh, it reminds me of, and I wish I remembered who said it. It wasn't on the podcast. It was just in a, 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 a very wise person. And I can't remember wh who it was who said it to me, but they're like, the most successful people in the world are the people who learn to make fa to accept failure and and just use it to their advantage uh the yeah. quicker you know you're gonna fail at most things you do at you know yeah. fail is that's great, not a bad a, thing if you move on no, from it's it not. <laughs> it's not and there's a really good quote from i think jim carrey said it where you can fail at something you don't love so you might as well fail at something you love because at least you're just going for it and no regrets. Because a lot of people just do what they think they're supposed to do. They think, you know, oh, all of these people are going this route. I should probably go over there as well. And they don't really go for what they really want because of all the voices. And, you know, that's really normal. 
but it's also good to stop and ask yourself the right question and think oh okay no maybe I really want to do this and my gut is telling me I should do this and it's super scary and risky but I think I should because I'll regret it if I don't do it Um, right yeah no I think that's and I'm guessing it's not just an American thing um, but that's what is ingrained in in education is you're going to get a job you're going to work 40 hours plus a week uh, and and you're going to work hard and you might move up and make a little more money and then you're going to eventually be able to retire and enjoy life when you're 60 in your 60s yeah. and yeah. it's like that's very common here as well I, yeah. I figured it probably was in a lot of Europe in countries also um and it, that that's why I, I i had a midlife crisis and it probably is midlife mm-hmm. when i was in my uh i was 34 this was just a year ago uh almost to the day that i actually quit my eight to five job um because it was actually my first day i did not work was labor day which is today not not to the listeners but for for us um right i guess you i guess labor day is not a thing in the uk but <laughs> it's, it's a, not no it's but... a fake holiday for for americans <laughs> okay gotcha we, we, it's a, just an excuse not to have work or school on a monday <laughs> the first monday in september not i don't even know what it's for uh, to be honest Brilliant. Brilliant. um but no, yeah but like that... that's that's super like as well when you're studying at uni or when you're just studying in school and you think you know what you want right so you're going to do this degree and then you're going to work for a few years, but then you're going to realize that you've changed a lot and mm-hmm. you don't actually like what you're doing anymore. But people don't sometimes don't stop and assess all of that. They just keep going because they feel like they're like a mouse on a wheel where they have to keep going. Right. But you can take yourself off and if you're not feeling fulfilled and you can change your mind and you can do it again. And that's, that's the whole point of growing. Because if you end up doing the same job and you don't like it, if you like it, then, you know, great. Yeah, but if you on. don't, then, <laughs> then it, yeah, you're going to end up retired looking back on those years thinking, wow, what, what was that? Yeah, I wasted the prime of my life being miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I, I think um, I had back surgery when I was 25. Um, and luckily, I'm 35 now. I haven't had another one yet. But yeah. <laughs> The word yet's in there. And I'm like, what kind of quality of life am I going to have in, you know, 30 years from now? I'm going to retire. I'm going to be too, probably too much in pain to like do substantial travel and stuff. Like Mm. I might as well, you know, plus I, you know, I haven't started drinking yet, but I drink a lot. It's like the the odds of me living to be like 90 years old, damn near zero. Like 70 would be an accomplishment if I don't drastically change my lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that I'm okay with 70 is a, lo- a long time. I'm okay with that. But it's like, I don't want to just live out my last handful of years miserable and sick mm. and, oh, I'm retired. So what am I going to do? Sit on the couch all day and watch TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's worth a shot to, to do something you love. Uh yeah, it is. It is worth the the risk, I would say. I mean, it's not always easy, right? Like, we always end up in situations where you have to pay the bills and you're in a mm-hmm. life that you, you just have to do these things. But if there is, if you do have that job, fine, you do the job, but then find something else that does fulfill you on the side and not make your life your work. Because the danger is, which is also talked about in my book, is you you will then equate your work life to what you're worth. And if your work life feels crappy, you will feel crappy. And, you know, that's the same as being an actor. I was getting so many no's and I was feeling so crappy about myself that I had to take myself out and realize, no, there's so many other good things in my life. And, you know, you can be a really hotshot lawyer and be an absolute, you know, moron in life be unemployed and be the like kind of that's also something you have to keep in mind especially when you're young and put all the pressure on yourself early on yeah I I feel like uh and you probably feel 
the same way. I wish I could uh, send a message back to myself when I was like 18, 20 years old and be like, all right, just listen to me. I know this is going to sound weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it is. Th this whole book started because I wrote a letter to myself when I turned 30 about all the lessons and how I had grown and what I could improve. And I was really brutally honest. And the, I shared the letter to a few people and everyone and on social media, everyone, um, I was kind of blown away, actually, just said, we want to know more, we want you to write more. And so this is how the book came about in the end. But it, it was based on, yeah, just talking to myself from years ago. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's something else uh, you're obviously you you would know is uh, so someone gave me advice when I started they're like if you write anything at all don't throw it away yeah uh, because you never know when you can go back to it whether it's for stand-up or if you if you're writing yeah. a seat a, a sketch or a movie absolutely or a book obviously um, Absol everything away. <laughs> everything in my in my notes everything in my notes for years years like all those terrible dates I wrote them down because I was like this could be a script or this could be something I didn't know what it would be but yeah yeah, yeah. that that they they should do a movie of just date just bad date after bad date just different doesn't need to follow any theme or anything no, just, just that one after yeah. another just be like hey you 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 just had a bad date here's 10 dates that are way worse <laughs> yeah I'm surprised that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, I am too. And and yours would be one that would definitely make the worst 10 dates. I would yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah. had someone physically run away. Although at least he no, listened. No, it's quite <laughs> listen, it's quite and and, I, and that's not even the one of the worst ones in the book. I mean, there's several. But they're funny. Like that's the thing. I, I always make light of those situations because it, it was funny. And I'm sure that guy maybe had socially awkward, you know, he he was probably not okay <laughs> and, yeah you know yeah. like it's fine we it's it, in this grand scheme of things it's just a really funny story to tell and I only wasted 30 minutes of my life so it wasn't that bad right I you know that's that's one of the one of the things that uh people in my personal life both like and dislike is that I will tell uh and that's not an embarrassing story i would say and fr from your perspective you didn't do anything terrible but i will i like things i do that are incredibly stupid i'm like oh i gotta tell everybody about this so they can okay. laugh at me <laughs> yeah. and uh some some people they find it amusing but then there's a time and a place where it's like i don't want to be associated with someone who did that can you <laughs> yeah i'm all also i mean that's quite good good material for stand-up right so I'm guessing yeah. you know that's a good way of of doing these things I, I mean I I don't think I could ever do stand-up it's so so terrifying but from the stand-up shows I do see it is about making fun of or making light of something that's happened to you and make people laugh and they're not really laughing at you they're probably laughing with you and that's you know a good feeling yeah, it's it's the reason that the dating stuff is the stuff that's easiest to get laughs because so many people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been everyone, in a similar scenario. Everyone's been through it. And and then you know, there's the dating part, and then there's relationships. And that's also that can be very funny. Like there are very funny moments in relationships, and it's a it's just all a journey, and you just have to not take it too seriously, I would say. Right. No, it's, I, I said when I'm like, I'm going to start doing stand-up. Now it's just like any bad experience. I'm like, oh, I got to take out my phone. This is a good, this is good for material. Yeah, this is good material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a almost cynical way of looking at life. Like, oh, a failure. Good. I'm going to make jokes about this on stage in front of strangers. <laughs> oh, well, let's hope you don't make too much of like a, like it doesn't take over your life completely. Well, the good thing is I drink so much. I don't remember a lot of the embarrassing moments. I, I just okay. get told them. So it's almost like I'm being told about a character who did something okay, stupid. Gotcha. It just happens to have been me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's always the good part when I'm like, 
I was blackout drunk, so this story has all been retold to me by witnesses. By someone else. I don't know how mm-hmm. true this is, okay. but I'm taking their word for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those are, those are the best stories because I don't have the inherent shame feeling because I don't remember doing it. You don't remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah there- I mean, that's a, way to, that's a way to do it. Yeah, it's it's a way. <laughs> Maybe not the healthiest way, but it's a way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Angelique, the um, uh, the book I know you can find Ready Set Thirty. You can find it on Amazon. Yes. Um, where else can people find you on social media? And I don't know if you have any film stuff coming yeah. out or. <laughs> uh so you can find me my website's angeliquejoan.com and then my instagram's angelique.joan and i think my twitter's the same and facebook's the same uh what have i been up to well i do quite a lot of voiceover work as well so that's mainly been for summer that's been my my job um like audio books and animation work so uh, right now, I'm I'm just auditioning. I, I'm just auditioning. I actually had a, a self tape earlier today for a film. Um, so that's yeah. Summer's usually like a bit of holiday, and then September it all kicks off again. So yeah, it starts picking up the uh, yeah. voiceover. I meant to ask you that, so I I won't keep you much longer. But I wanted to ask you the voiceover is um when you do the do you have a home setup do you have to go to a studio to record it or just it's It's a bit yeah it depends on the job some some studios prefer me to come in uh some just do it on yeah i have a setup in in my flat uh to do audiobooks because that would be quite tough to do in a studio it's quite long um but yeah like commercial and this animation uh i did this show called corpse talk and that was in a studio because they wanted you know proper direction like i was playing a character that was fighting sword fighting so i needed to jump up and down make all these you know out of breaths and you know all of that so you can't really do that in your flat you have to go in a studio and you have to have the right setup yeah Yeah. the, the animated stuff i always so my thought was always like oh that would be the easiest thing and then no. even acting on a film, they're like, hey, you weren't, we had the camera from behind, so we just want to get clean audio. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's real hard to do when I'm just talking into a microphone and not actually in yeah. acting. <laughs> so it's, it is very hard. It's yeah. really tiring. Like that that specific character was, uh, it was so much fun though. I would happily do it every week, but it is quite challenging. Yeah, it's a di- you're using a different set of muscles and you're performing in a different way. You're just it's just your voice. It's mad. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's another misconception that a lot of people are like, oh, this person just gets an easy paycheck to go talk yeah, into right. a microphone. It's like, uh, it's there's a little yeah, more to no, it's it. Not. <laughs> it's not. And then you can't speak for like a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've. I've yeah, I've encountered that when I've done, I scheduled like three or four podcasts the same day. And I'm like, I just can't that's talk anymore. Yeah, <laughs> My voice enough. is tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Angelique, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, uh, listeners, all of the links to the book and the socials and all that stuff will be in the show notes as always. Um, and check out the book. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. Cheers that's it that's all hope you had a ball thank you angelique joan for coming on the podcast check out her book ready set 30 and all her socials from the links in the show notes below um i don't think i touched on it in my intro uh Maybe I did. I'm entering, assuming Hurricane Ian doesn't fuck things up, I'm entering the final weekend uh, of shooting, the final two days of shooting uh, this weekend for Women Want Everything. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, the last couple days on set were probably the two most fun I've had. Um, 
things are, you know, w uh, seem like a well-oiled machine at this point uh, with the cast and the crew um, and uh, the wonderful director and star of the movie, Rod Grant, leading the way. Uh, the cinematographer, uh, Zach, is, is hilarious uh, and uh, obviously love hanging out with Christian and Quintari, my, uh, uh, and Rod, the, the four of us are the, uh, well, I don't know how to describe these four. I think, I think misfits is what, uh, is used in the, you know, teaser for the article, uh, for the movie. And I, I feel like that about sums it up. Uh, also fun to, you know, go to a lot of different, uh, new places, uh, around the Tampa Bay area for shooting places. I didn't, you know, didn't even know existed uh, in Dunedin and Tampa and stuff like that. So some, uh, you know, get to learn, get to learn some of the local joints a little bit better. So uh, it's been a blast and uh, hopefully the hurricane doesn't screw up our schedule for this final uh, weekend. Um, I'm sure I will have posted something. Uh, really, if you see posts on Twitter and Facebook, even promoting this episode, you'll know that I'm still alive because I'm not motivated enough to schedule a future social media post. So you'll know I'm alive and you'll know that, uh, uh, well, apparently I have internet or something like it. Uh, so, um, hey, you know, the real way to know if I'm alive, you got to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I would say TikTok, but that's probably not going to help because I don't go on there much at all. I just can't get into it. I just don't like it. Uh, or even YouTube. You know, you got Drunk Jeff Ranks. You got Drunk Jeff Eats. Uh, I'm very open to suggestions on either one of those for topics or food items. Uh, someone said more pizza. Um, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, drunk Jeff ranks, uh, I'm open to wide open to suggestions. I think I've only published one of those. I've recorded another, haven't looked at it to see whether it's worth posting. Uh, anywho, that's about it. That's about all. Hopefully I have a house. Uh, the good news is I do have episode 99 already recorded minus the intro and the outro. I do have episode 101 recorded again, minus the intro and the outro. If I die before then, that'll be episode 100. Um, I've already ordered a couple of my buddies, Bobby and Garrett, that uh, my wishes are any episode I have recorded needs to be put out if I'm dead. So uh, you might have someone else. If, you, if you, you tune into the podcast and you got a different voice, read the intro, you know, prepare yourself, folks. I'm probably gone. <laughs> or... I'm just so big, I don't even bother doing the intro and outro anymore. I am. Uh, the Jeff Macalino podcast is one of the top 1.5% global podcasts. You know, and what does that mean? I don't know, but it's better to be in it than out of it. Boom, it's over. <laughs>